Once upon a time, I played the alto and tenor sax in the Wonderlick Intermediate Jazz Band. Our fearless leader was one Todd Burr, and he joins the show today. You better believe we're going to wax nostalgic, all right? We're going to talk about the good old days, which may or may not have been a few decades ago. But I really enjoyed this conversation because we got to talk about music. We talked about jazz band performances, the importance of improvisation, the importance of finding your tribe when you're a kid in school and having things like band and orchestra. You're going to learn about his organization, The Prevailing Winds. It's a jazz band which provides music education and live performances to communities that lack access to such opportunities. We talk about his career change and, of course, The Prevailing Winds 2 events coming up here at the beginning of March 1 on Saturday, March 2nd and the other on Tuesday, March 5th. So be sure to check them out on Facebook. Just search for The Prevailing Winds. This episode is brought to you by Speak Podcasting. That's my media company. If you have ever had an idea for a show or if you want to leverage the power of other people's audiences and you want to be a guest on a whole bunch of podcasts, let's talk. Hit me up at freddy at speakpodcasting.com. That's freddy with a Y at S-P-E-K-E podcasting.com. And if you enjoy this conversation with my man, Mr. Burr from back in the day at Wonderlick Intermediate School, please share with your family and friends from my website at cruisethroughhtx.com. Hi, I'm Ed Sheeran. This is Bruno Mars. Hey, it's Katy Perry. This is your man Flo Rida with Freddie Cruz. This is AJ Mitchell with Freddie Cruz. Freddie Cruz. Freddie Cruz. Yo, let's go pick Mr. 305 and you already know what it is. My name is Freddie and it's time to cruise through H. Mr. Burr, Freddy Cruz. You knew me as Alfred. I did. (laughs) And uh, you were the leader of our esteemed Wonderlick Intermediate Jazz Band. I was. And uh, I, you know, it's it's hard when you have kids. And you were telling me before we hit start on the interview, you've got five grandkids, which means you have kids too. But it's um. It's hard to imagine life without your current family. It is. Yet the memories of back in the day, you know, it's it's something. Very much. And when I started with you, I was 22 years old, and you guys were my kids back in the day. And so uh, seeing you all grown up now with a family and successful career is kind of a really cool thing to see. Thank you. And... I, I remember, I just remember like all the, all the little things, uh, about, about playing in your jazz band, like the way you would conduct and tap your toes and snap your fingers and walk. And, and I think this was probably one of the most, uh, one of the most profound things now that I'm just talking about it, um, with jazz band, there's more imp- improvisation, right? Yes, yes. So, I remember uh, Mr. Connor was the band was the uh, band director. That's correct. Um, but when you would lead us, you would walk away from the stoop and yes. let us do our thing. Yes. And so it was like that controlled sort of chaos. Yes. And it's funny because I still do that with the group I conduct now, and uh, probably a good portion of the concerts we do, I'm not in front of them. I'm actually sitting in the audience, letting them do what they do. And so, when do you know? To, to go in and like, oh, oh, I think they're about to miss a note. <laughs> yeah. Well, once you start, if they're going to miss a note, 
there's not much you can do to get up there to fix that. So generally, they get really good about figuring out how to recover if there's a problem. Mm-hmm. But most of the time, they and I do adult learning now, so they're pretty good about knowing what they're doing, and uh, it's it's really it's really fun for us to be able to do that. Okay, so what's easier to bounce back from when, let's say, you're you're having a performance, and I don't know, maybe. Let me just throw out a, a scenario. Uh, maybe one too many adult beverages. Uh, what's easier <laughs> to recover from? A missed few notes or the timekeeper is off? Very rarely is the timekeeper off. Our, our drummer is mm. very, very solid. Our rhythm section is good. Um, if there's anything that happens, sometimes it's me that makes the mistake. As I come back up there, I'm coming back up there in the middle of the song, and they may be somewhere where I'm not sure exactly because I've memorized all the music. And um, sometimes it's me that messes up, and they fix me. So it's it's mm. equal it's equal parts. They take care of me, and I take care of them. I love that. It's extreme ownership. Actually, it's me. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. And and you know, there's been many times when we've 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 played, and I've maybe not been in the right place, and they helped me figure it out. So it turns out pretty good for all of us. Interesting. Okay, so you played the trumpet back in the day. So uh, for you guys, I played the trumpet because it was easier to teach you with the trumpet. Mm-hmm. But uh, my real instrument is trombone. But it was a lot easier to do one-hand trumpet instead of doing the trombone. Gotcha. Okay. So, and I vaguely remember, and maybe I'm misremembering, but I think I'm, I may have seen you with the trombone once or twice. Yeah. Okay. A couple of times. It may have been a long time ago. That's why I'm... <laughs> it, it was a few, uh, it was a few decades ago. <laughs> a few decades? Come on, man. It's five minutes ago. Um, so... Let's talk about the trumpet because I love that instrument. Yeah. I love the tuba yeah. as well. Impossible at face value because it seems like there's like with the trumpet and what I played the saxophone, yes, alto and tenor, yes. um, you've got buttons, but yeah. with the trombone, you've just got the slider. You just got the slide. That's it. That's it. How do you, how do you, how like with the, it's. It is a mystery to me that people can be so talented with something that doesn't have very much structure to it. Something to push against. Right. There you go. The friction. Yeah. So, yeah, in the trombone, there's a lot of muscle memory about where the slide goes. And then once you get in the approximate location, Mm -hmm. you have to listen and you adjust finally to get to where it needs to be to be in tune with the band. Mm -hmm. And speaking of bands, let's talk about prevailing winds. Sure. So the Prevailing Winds uh, is an organization that we started years ago uh, with adult learners. Um, we, we, I would say the average age of our group is probably in their late 50s. It's people that are non-musicians. They're homemakers, they're engineers, they're attorneys, they're uh, pharmaceutical salespeople. But they played in the band in school, and when they became adults, they stopped playing for kids and life and everything. And now, on the other side of all that, they have they have grown comfortable and wanted to get back into music. So we started an organization where they could come do that. And about a year ago, they said, we really want to be able to provide music for people that don't t- typically have the opportunity to go hear live music. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, well, let's sit on this for a year and see if you guys still feel the same in a year. And if you do, let's get organized. And so we got together. We felt that there was a need for this in the community. And we created a 501c3, which we have currently right now. And 
all of the money that we raise goes to fund us going into public schools and into neighborhood communities of kids that typically don't have the opportunity to hear real music in a real setting. And that cannot be understated because I was very fortunate as a kid to be, to, to just even have a school that had that option. Mm-hmm. But to, I cannot imagine living in a community where it's not an option. And even if it is, the options, the, the instruments are probably going to be used, worn out. Um, you're probably not going to be encouraged to pursue it. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a challenge, and more and more school districts, because of budgetary reasons, are having to go in, and they're, they're having to either modify or totally cut the fine arts. Mm-hmm. So there are numerous school districts, even in the greater Houston area, that are limiting these opportunities. Uh, there's a school district that announced uh, just today that they're getting rid of all their librarians. That is wild. Yeah, so you're going to have more and more of these financial decisions are, are happening, and, and the finances are driving the ability to provide curriculum for the, the kids. And so our thought was, if we can go out there and we can provide concerts to these communities, it might take a kid that normally doesn't get to hear that. And as you know, the music room, the band hall, the choir room, the orchestra room, it's where a lot of kids go for sanctuary. Mm-hmm. And they feel empowered there. And in the rest of the school, they may not feel the same. But in that, in that environment, especially for music, it's such a great opportunity for self-expression, for the kids to be able to connect with other kids. And it develops leadership skills that you just don't find other places. There are some parallels, and I know this because I dabbled in both. Uh, there are parallels between athletics and being in band or even orchestra or even choir, Correct. even theater. And at the end of the day, it's about finding your tribe. Exactly. And, and, and it, it allows kids to go in and figure out where do they want to go and what do they want to do? And, you know, we, we, don't, we don't expect, and, and, you know, my group is a great example. There's very few professional musicians that play in my group. Mm. These are people that do music as an as a, uh, advocation. They, they, are, they are doing music because it's fun. Mm-hmm. They're not doing it to make money or to earn a living. And so they give up their personal time every Sunday afternoon from three to five, we rehearse. They come in and they learn the music, and it's really a lot of fun. And the thing that's so great about it is it's a total itself uh, expressed from them coming in. And I don't require them to come in. Attendance is, you know, sometimes we have rehearsal and somebody says, "Hey, I've got a sick kid. I'm going out of town. It's my birthday. Whatever." So we have people that show up and can't show up, but eventually we get together for the concerts, and it's a lot of fun. Let's talk about the event coming up beginning of March. Sure. So we've got, actually got two events coming up at the beginning of March. The first event we have is going to be our, uh, our first concert of the year, and that'll be on March 2nd. And it will be at John Wesley Church, which is located in Champions Forest, off of 1960 in Champions Forest Boulevard. And the name of the concert is Grand Tour. And this will feature the band playing music from around the world. And the idea for this concert is, in Europe, when a young, a young person graduates from high school, 
the first year before they go into college or before they go to uh, their trade school, they spend a year going around Europe learning about all the great things from the different parts of Europe. Ooh. And they call it the Grand Tour. Okay. So we're actually doing music from different parts around Europe, uh, featuring music from, from Rome, from Italy, from England, from France, all over the place. What's your favorite European influence of music? Oh, boy. Um, so for band music, probably the British influence of the band music, the Holst, the uh, uh, people like that, Von Williams. Uh, for music overall, I, I, I got to go with Beethoven mm-hmm. uh, in, the, in the Romantic period. Okay, so dumb question. Yeah. Were there horns when Beethoven was directing? So not horns like you and I know them. Okay. They had instruments that were basically bugle in shape was okay the was it the long mm-hmm. thing so that's not like a cartoon caricature that's that was an actual thing the long trumpet like a yeah. long bugle yeah like a herald trumpet okay but they didn't have valves yet they were just okay. getting to that point in the in the stuff so they would actually pull the tuning slides out and each tuning slide was a different length so that's how they could change the partials you're very well uh, well versed in the world of uh, brass instruments. When did the the valve button thing? When was when did that start? Gosh, that would that have been sometimes right around the Beethoven time period. Yeah, sometime okay. in there. So he was like a trans. It was like a transitional sort of era. Yeah, it was really interesting because at that point they had not put valved instruments really on the the woodwinds really. And, and and they started with the, the keys and the pads and everything. And, mm. You know, it all started with the recorder. So you had holes that were. Covering. That's all they could do. <laughs> Pretty much <all laughs> technologically, they could do. That's right? It. They didn't have the ability to do the the valves. We so, are going to yeah. punch holes. That's it. That's it. <laughs> oh man. Okay. Uh, so let's talk about the trombone, though, what, because that almost based on what we're talking about seems like it's more of a modern thing. Maybe. So the, the, no, they, they they did have trombones back then, okay. they, they, but they, they they weren't as sophisticated as what we have now, um, and and the the, the 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 repertoire really changed once they were able to start adding the chromatic series of notes. Um, and when you say chromatic, so that's basically in in Western music, that's the ability to do whole steps and half steps, because back then there wasn't the scales that we have now that. When you were a kid, I was beating you up to learn your scales. <laughs> okay, so when you say whole steps and half steps, are you talking about the A, B, C, D, yes. E sharp, yeah. E flat? So there's there's A and B, that's called a whole step, uh-huh. and in between those is a half step, and it's called A sharp, or the enharmonic name is called B flat. And that's the lower so, so that's, that's like the note tone. in between the A and right. the B. Gotcha. So in Western music, we use a series of whole steps and half steps, and that's what you're used to hearing. Mm-hmm. Um, almost all of our music in Western music is a series of whole steps and half steps. Eastern music, it's different. To me, that was always the hardest part, was getting the flats and the sharps. Always. Always. Still is. <laughs> Hasn't changed. <laughs> yeah, um, and... I remember playing the saxophone and it got to a point where I still remember the notes is um, I'm doing the, the motions here. Yeah. Three, yeah. three is the G a yeah. B C with the middle finger. Yeah. And then uh, you get high enough and you have to do like the, the, side, the back of your yeah. side thumb, right? Lift up your right leg. Yeah. Tilt your head. yeah. <laughs> and then like squeeze to make the note high yeah. enough, but not too high, yeah. not shrilly. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. That was hard. You remember a lot. That's good. I remember the do 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 That was like probably the most sophisticated song I could play. In the mood. That's it. Okay. Okay. In the mood. Outside of hot cross buns. That's it. That's it. Exactly. More of my conversation with Mr. Burr coming up in less than 60 seconds. Cruise Through HTX is brought to you by Speak Podcasting. That's my media company. Home to shows like The Final Curtain Never Closes, presented to you by the National Museum of Funeral History. Every month, President and CEO Genevieve Kini Vasquez shares with you stories about the people behind our final rite of passage. The podcast series is part of the museum's larger mission to build and maintain a love of history and enriched understanding of the death care industry. Check out The Final Curtain Never Closes wherever you get your podcasts. We're talking about changes in in instrumentations, instruments uh, from the time of Beethoven. But what have you seen since uh, the late the late eighties, uh, when we may have been a little bit younger? Uh, the late eighties, uh, when you got into music, as opposed to now, when you're you're coaching and teaching these grown ups. So uh, you know, music it it hasn't had the the metamorphosis it had in the 1700s and 1800s and probably the biggest difference in today's music is composers are writing now in microtones so they've even gotten between the whole steps and the half steps and they're doing what what they call microtones and there's a lot of music now written where notes the pitches are bent via either your embouchure or different things you can put What's on the horn. The way that you hold your mouth to make the sound on the horn. Okay. And a lot of modern music is is much more, uh, the music that we played back then was very, um, it was major or it was minor. Mm-hmm. And now the music today is, is a lot more, is a lot more expression. There's a lot more uh, different colors that composers use today. But it's funny, most of my uh, folks prefer the older music a little bit more than the newer stuff. Uh, it's more traditional. It's stuff that they know and are comfortable with. What you're describing with the micronotes seems to me like John Philip Sousa on steroids. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's definitely a whole different... It's a, it, it, It's the difference between painting with a set of paints that has 12 colors and a set of paints that has 120 colors. Mm. And there's very unique sounds that are being put out today by modern composers. And um, it, 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 there's a lot of folks that like it, a lot of folks that still like the old stuff. And, you know, you just try to balance that when you're programming a concert to, to do things that people are going to enjoy. It just seems complicated. It's, it's complicated. And it's hard to teach. It is very hard to teach, but, uh, you know, we, we've been so fortunate, especially here in the Houston area. We have such great musicians, uh, professional and non-professional. I run into so many really, really fine musicians that do it for fun versus doing it for a living, and mm-hmm. it seems to work out pretty well. What do you even call those notes, though? If, 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 so if it's A-flat, A-sharp... Was A flat flat A flat well, squared? They they, they just micro, they they notate it on the music to bend the note down to a certain pitch, uh, and they'll tell you bend it you know as much as you can or bend it a little bit. And there's just all kinds of different. They've they've gotten out of the traditional way of making music into in the percussion instruments now. Uh, everything is a percussion instrument. So there's numerous songs now where. So you mean uh, that literally or figuratively? Literally, everything is a. 
Yeah, yeah. Saxophone. Uh, anything can, that can make sound that where you can touch it can be a percussion instrument. So it's so. kind of like, kind of like the uh, like the equivalent of uh, banging your drumstick on the on the. A- absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Wow. Okay. And you know, there's 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 some famous pieces where they take um, they take a uh, marimba or a xylophone or a, a vibraphone. Okay. And they take a a bowed instrument like a bow off of a cello, gotcha. and they bow those bars to make them kind of hum. Huh. Uh, there's a. In fact, one of the songs we're playing on the grand tour, we're doing the uh, the closing scenes from the Avengers um, Endgame, where Tony Stark, his funeral, and the music is called "The Real Hero," and part of that, the original composition, if you watched it on the movie, there's a section of the Real Hero where the actual music that's being played are glasses of water at different heights of water and they're running their fingers on and making circles on the glasses of water. That has always been intriguing to me. It's like how in Z heck mm-hmm. are you able to pull that off? I remember seeing that even as a kid, yeah. seeing, seeing women do that. Yeah. And that's, that's and, actually what they did in that recording. You know, we're going to be using an instrument called a vibraphone to make that sound. But in the actual movie, if you go back and watch it, the Tony Stark funeral, when it gets really, really quiet and you hear kind of that, that very low sound. It's actually glasses of water with the fingers being being spun around. I think we're past the statute of limitations. <laughs> Tony Stark did die. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. Yeah. Uh, uh, if you haven't seen it, come on now. <laughs> yeah, really, what's wrong with you? That's right. Uh, wow. Okay, so go back to, what was the vibraphone? What, what does that look like? So a vibraphone looks like a xylophone. Okay. Except... Underneath the bars, they're made of metal, uh-huh. and underneath the bars, there are these paddles, like a paddle boat, and okay. they're operated by a motor, and the paddles turn around, so when you strike the instrument, the bar resonates, and instead of it being a pitch that's flat like this, it goes like this. It has vibrato. Oh. Pretty slick. It, yes, it is. Now, what is fascinating to me, Mr. Burr, is that we've been talking this whole time about music and back in the day, which may may not have been in the late eighties. Um, <laughs> but you have since changed careers and you're talking as if you're a music professor, but you own are you're part owner of a rather big company. Yes. That does something that is not anywhere close to music. No. But this is how much you love music. Yeah. Yeah, this is this is definitely where my passion is, and you know, um, and I loved being a band director. It was one of the best jobs ever. Uh, I, I enjoyed it so much. But you know, everybody gets to a point in their lives where they have to make decisions, and I was at a point where I needed to look for my family and be able to have a career. And I always knew music could be something I did on the side. I didn't know I was going to enjoy teaching as adults as much as I do. In fact. Our jazz band, which has our the jazz band concert for the Hope Centers on March fifth, the way our jazz band started is uh, one of the one of the ladies in our concert band, a seventy year old lady, she said, "I've always wanted to play Barry Sax in a jazz band," and I said, "Well, Gail, jokingly, I said, Gail, you go buy Barry Sax and we'll start a jazz band," and so. A week later, we had concert band, and she showed up with a brand new 
$10,000 Barry Sachs. And she said, okay, I've got the Barry Sachs. It's time to start the jazz band. Nice. And that's how we started our jazz band. Our jazz band's been in existence for eight years, and we uh, we do uh, m- primary the things that the jazz band is. It's a total community outreach deal. So we do concerts for Alzheimer's support. We do concerts oh. for vets. We do concerts. The, the 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 concert we're doing on March fifth is going to be a concert to benefit the Hope Center, mm-hmm. which is a nonprofit organization located at I forty five and nineteen sixty area. And it's a day center for homeless people, and they help homeless folks get back on their feet, help them get jobs, help them get careers so that they can not be homeless anymore. And it's supported by numerous churches in the in the greater 1960 area right there, kind of from Willowbrook Mall all the way back mm-hmm. up to 1960 uh, to 45. And um, we've been doing a fundraising concert for them for the last three or four years. And uh, it's very well attended and the admission is free. We pass the hat around and ask people to donate money to help the Hope Center, but we always give a a good show and everybody has a great time. I do have one more question that I just now thought of, and I wanted to ask this of you before we wrap up officially. Yeah. Uh, And because you come from the education field Mm -hmm. and you switched careers and you are wildly successful. What is your advice for people in this very heated environment? You see the stories of HISD, and, yep. and we're not going to get you know into the into the nooks and crannies of it. But what do you what do you what is your advice for somebody who's like, I just don't know. I love teaching, but I just don't know if I can do it. And you left. You had a decision to make, yeah. and you made it. And now you're flourishing in a world post teaching. Yeah. So. Number one, if you love teaching and you've got a lifestyle where you can teach, man, stick with it. I know it's tough right now, and it's it's probably going to always be tough because it's an uphill battle. And, you know, um, we are in an environment now where um, a lot of what society is telling us is different than what it really is, I think. I think there's a lot of communication out there that isn't accurate, per se. Hmm. And our kids need the best teachers possible. Um, my wife is a teacher, and she loves it. And there's days that she doesn't love it, and dislike everybody. But you know, the thing I always like to tell people is, you don't have to be a teacher to be involved in the education process. My company supports. We're very involved in the Cypress Fairbanks community. Um, I'm on the board of directors for the Cypher Education Foundation. We give out scholarships to kids every year. Um, we work with almost every school district that we uh, service as a as a water company. And I would just tell everybody that if you if you do make the decision that education is not your thing, the thing that the that that all employers value is the ability to learn and the ability to take instruction and. If you're not going to teach, it doesn't mean you don't you can't be involved in education. Education needs a lot more than just teachers. It needs committed community volunteers to step up and help the teachers because these kids that we're producing, this is the workforce that's coming out, and I have to go hire from this workforce. So, you know, if if teaching's not your thing, still stay involved in education somehow, some way, and give back to your community. We've mentioned your company. Mm-hmm. Let's shout them out. 
My company, the name of our company is Inframark. We are the largest water and wastewater provider in North America. We service uh, 29 states. We have 3,000 employees. My job is to take care of Texas. I have 800 lovely employees in Texas, and we service Houston, Austin, Dallas, Fort Worth, and El Paso. And my employees are the greatest, and I just love them to death. It's wild, this trip that we call life. It is. It's wild that the ride it takes you on. No matter how carefully you plan it out and no matter what you think it's going to be, it's going to go whatever direction it's going to go. Mm -hmm. And I think successful people are the ones that adapt to where it goes successfully. And that's really the secret of success is adapting to everything that happens to you and making the best of your situation. It's that... um you can't control what happens, but you can control how you respond to it. There you go. It. Prevailing Winds is the name of the band. It is my friend, Mr. Burr. Uh, we go way back. Well, I'm not going to say way back. That just makes us sound old. We're going to go back maybe maybe a little more than five years. A little bit more. Maybe <laughs> in dog more. years. Maybe dog years. <laughs> Come on, man. I'm trying to not age either one of us. Um, but yeah, please check them out. You can look them up on Facebook. The The concert's going to be in the 1960 area. R- remind me of the church again. John Wesley Church. John Wesley Church. It's on Bermuda Dunes. Yes. Which is right there. You can Google it. And uh, the, concert, the, the, the concert band concert is Saturday at 4 p.m., March 2nd. And the jazz band concert, which will be a dance concert, it'll feature a bunch of uh, uh, swing songs, um, and that will be on March 5th at 7 p.m. at John Wesley as well. And if you need a triangle player, I can play the triangle. I don't have a sax, so I can play the triangle if you need one. Man, we always got room for an extra triangle player. <laughs> Love it. All right, Mr. Bird, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to join the podcast. Well, thank you, and thank- good to see you again.